0: Probably on, the, on this side of the room where we've done it before, I've been scoping it out. It looks like the water levels are fine, so we'd love to have you get baptized if you never have. It's a great way to follow Jesus. All right, Luke chapter 18, and uh, I'm in this series called The Greatest Stories Ever Told. I think I'm concluding the series this week, but I'm going I'm to find out where the Lord takes me. Um, I've been doing this little summer study of Jesus' parables, and what never ceases to amaze me is how I end up preaching to myself. And this morning, you are along for the ride. Uh, That's something the Lord just put in my heart, and I'm going to be, you know, going after it because this is one of those parables that's fairly easy to understand. It's the parable of the persistent widow, sometimes called the parable of the unjust judge, and it hits everybody where you're at because you're going to go through seasons in life where you're going to have to learn how to pray effectively. Now, I want to go ahead and read the whole parable. I'm in Luke 18. I want to read the first eight verses of this parable. Uh, and just speak on it. It says that he spoke a parable to them that men always ought to pray and not lose heart. He said, There was a certain city with a judge who did not fear God nor regard man. Nor, now there was a widow in that city, and she came to him saying, Get justice for me from my adversary. And he would not for a while, but afterward he said within himself, Though I do not fear God nor regard man, Yet because this widow troubles me, I will avenge her, lest by her continual coming she weary me out. And the Lord said, hear what the unjust judge said, and shall not God avenge his own elect who cry out day and night to him, though he bears long with them? Nevertheless, I will tell you that he will avenge them speedily. He said, uh, when the Son of Man comes, will he really find faith on the earth? Let's pray. All right, Father, I just thank you this morning for the word of the Lord, and I pray that you'd strengthen your people. Strengthen us. God, I thank you for a people of perseverance and growth, and I pray, God, that as we hear the word of the Lord, something on the inside of us would come alive that says, I can do that. I can be that person who sticks with it. In the name of Jesus, we pray. And everyone said, amen, amen and amen. Now, I did have a great time camping last week. I took the kids out we had like 16 children climbing on rocks right around my campsite. It was a wonderful time, uh, but you know when you have that many kids um, and you have a small camper like we do, you kind of got to figure out how to make it work. So Elizabeth has this thing about nine nine thirty. She starts getting the kids into bed. You know the sun's still kind of out, and about that time of night, I like to go for a walk, and I, I go for prayer walks around the campgrounds with my little lantern. And uh, I, I had a great time, man. The little campfires you could see everywhere. And, and I had this particular song stuck in my head from years and years ago. You, you, some of you older people might know it. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. I can't sing, but I'm going to attempt to do it. Just the chorus that was in my head. Yeah, it's something like this. Ask and it shall be given unto you. Seek and you shall find. Knock and the door will be open unto you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And I don't know why I had that song in my head. Sometimes I have other songs in my head. <laughs> but that one I had in my head, and I was walking around, singing it, praying it, just had a great time. That song reminded me of this parable, uh, the parable of persistence and perseverance, especially when it comes to prayer. And I felt like I'm singing that song, it's in my heart, I know where I'm going this next week in this, in this sermon. So I want to highlight what I'm calling the three effective keys to prayer and this is, you know, the, the Bible says in the book of James that, that the effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. You know, I like to pray about everything. I mean, if I've got any problems, I'm praying about it. I, I, every, and you know, we are a praying church. We pray about things all the time. And I've had people tell me, man, you guys pray so much. And you know, I do that because God answers prayer. I feel like prayer is almost a forgotten element of church these days. And it's like a lot of times the go-to that people have you know, is to try to figure things out in their own or use wisdom or talk to a friend or use Google. But <laughs> prayer is so effective. And yet a lot of times people don't really think about it. So there are prayer keys that unlock closed doors. And I want to just walk through some of these keys. Now, in the first verse here, it tells us here in the Bible, Luke 18, 1, that Jesus spoke a parable to them. As you probably know by now, Jesus is the master storyteller. He loves telling stories. And the reason he did that was because you usually remember the stories. So I was preaching a few weeks ago, and my kids were asking me about some of the stories I told because they remembered those stories. And that's what Jesus did. He's telling stories that people could remember. He told them, and here's where he's going, that men ought always to pray. Someone say always. Always. And not lose heart. The first thing that grabbed me when I'm looking at this parable is that phrase about men always pray. And I would call this first, per, this first part here the word persistence. Persistence is a prayer key. He said that men should always pray. Now, persistence is the action of pursuing a course with the same energy and consistency in everything you're doing. That's what it means to be persistent. Did I give you the word perseverance or Persistence persistence. All right, that's, I want to put it, persistence is the word. And, and that's moving forward with that same sense of energy. Now, the Bible calls persistent prayer, prayer that's without ceasing. Uh, 1 Thessalonians 5, 17. That doesn't mean you're living up in a monastery somewhere. Pr- praying without ceasing means that you're in a state of prayer. You're in the mindset of prayer. Like everywhere you go, you're in fellowship with the Lord and can always pray about something. And You know, I was thinking about how Jesus prayed all night, and on two occasions in my life I've actually done that, where I prayed all night. You know, as a church, we used to do that. Sometimes we were younger, before we had children, and we would stay up all night praying about things. I mean, uh, Peter was in prison one time, Acts chapter 5, and the church stayed up all night. Constant prayer was offered for him, and Peter miraculously went out of that jail. I mean, they were persistent in their prayers. I found a great verse from the Apostle Paul, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 15 and 16. He's praying for the church at Ephesus. He's praying for spiritual wisdom and understanding. He said something very interesting. He said, I do not cease praying for you. This is Paul the Apostle who, by his own words, said he prayed more than anybody. I mean, he's always praying. You know, if you think about prayer without ceasing, I think about Nehemiah, the king's cupbearer. He was brought before the king. The king noticed he was down. And he said, what's the problem? And the, the Bible says that Nehemiah prayed to God right beneath his breath before he answered the king. He was in a constant state of prayer. He had a burden. I think about David, Psalm 119, verse 164, seven times a day, David said, I'll praise you. I'll go before you. So persistent prayer is a constant state of prayer. And that, that sounds, you know, wonderful, but how are you actually going to do that? How are you going to live in such a way where you're praying all the time? You're praying with energy and with consistency. And and the fifth verse of this parable is is what the widow did. This widow troubles me, Jesus said. I will avenge her, lest by her continual coming she weary me out. It's almost like having a five-year-old asking for ice cream. I mean, over and over with persistence. Let's talk about persistence in your pursuit. you got to go after some things in prayer. Now, I have prayer goals. I have certain things I pray for I want to take place. But what really blesses me is my sweet wife, Elizabeth. She, this woman knows how to pray. Isn't that right, baby? Mm-hmm. I mean, she had some audacity to ask God for some incredible things. Years ago, she was telling me she wanted to go to Israel. And I was thinking, oh, that'd be great, baby. I, and I thought, I'll go to Israel w- when Jesus comes back. I'm like, we'll go then, right? <laughs> and to our amazement, you know, we've both had the opportunity to go there twice, both times for free. She, she knows how to pray. I mean, she's prayed about homes, and I've told you the story. When I first married her, I said I wanted two kids, and she lied to me and said that was fine. She really wanted three. And what did that was persistence, persistent prayer. You know what she's praying for now? A dog. Yeah. Um, I'm a little worried because I know that Elizabeth knows how to pray for things, so. She pursues things and has goal. If you want persistence, you have to have that energy, inertia. You know what I find is when people pray, it's like I can sense the atmosphere changing in my heart and in my mind. I don't know if you've ever sensed that. Like you're in a tough spot and you start praying, and suddenly you feel this shift taking place. And what it is is the prayers of God's people. I can sense it when people are praying for me. I can sense it when people are praying for the church. I, I can just tell that the atmosphere is changing because there's energy that's created and the Spirit of the Lord begins to work. Persistence is steadfastness. Steadfastness means that you are consistently st- going after things with stability and repetition over and over again. When you do something long enough, you know what it creates? is a skill. You become good at it. It's like something you, you get better at all the time. And I know people who are very skilled in prayer. They know how to get their prayers answered. And my mother was like this, man. My mom was a prayer fanatic. And you know, you know my testimony. My mom spent hours praying, walking around tables and, and anointing my bed with oil, <laughs> sticking Bibles under my you know, bed set. And here I am today as a minister of the Lord. it's because she was skilled in prayer. And I, I love praying with some of the prayer warriors of this church. They're skilled in the area of prayer. You, you can have that steadfast approach and, and see things take place. What keeps you steady? What keeps you steadfast? And I I like to think that relationships do that, of course, with people. But when you keep the Lord close to your heart, you you become a very steadfast person. That was really just on my heart this morning, how steadfast He is. And if I'm learning anything in life, it's about how the relationship I have with God is my number one priority more than anything else. It produces stability. It brings answers to problems into my life. The purpose of prayer is not for you to get things. The purpose of prayer is so that you can know the Lord, to have him close in your heart. That that requires persistence, but it's part of that stability. You get to discover who he is. And when you stay close to the Lord, some amazing things happen. When you're close to the Lord, you begin to pray his will. And the Bible says in 1 John 5, verse 14, this is the confidence we have in him. If anyone prays according to his will, we know he hears us. God will answer prayer that is within His will, and I can have confidence in that. When I'm praying for something in His will, there are certain times when I'll get a witness from the Holy Spirit. Like, I'll have this sense in my spirit that I have the answer for the thing I'm praying for. It doesn't happen all the time, but it's blessed. It's a blessing when it does. And I remember praying about things, and I, I got a witness that I was going to get a wife, all right, a Canadian wife. I know that sounds... Crazy to you, but that's what I prayed for specifically. I wrote it down, five foot seven, blue eyes, Canadian, and I got it. I had a witness in my spirit. I, I, I prayed about things like, you know, vehicles. And I needed to get a Suburban so I could haul children around. And, you know, I just had the sense God would do that, and he's done that. Uh, when you get a witness from the Lord, this is the place where you have to keep on seeking, keep on asking, and keep on knocking at the door. you got to keep going after it. Because you know you got something in your heart. Don't give up, man. I think about all the things I've had to persist for in prayer. I mean, it's a never-ending amount of things. Think about things you're praying for right now. Some of you want to get married. And you got to keep praying on that. I know there's you know, people who want a house, and they keep praying about it. Praying that God will give you children. And, and, that, and that's I've seen God do that. He's done that for us. But when you get children, there's a ton of stuff you got to buy for your children. Come on, somebody. And then you got to pray and, and watch what God does in all those things. I mean, it, it, I keep on seeking, praying, asking God for things that children need. And this widow, that, that's, it's what she was doing. She kept on going to that judge. Now, you know, the thing about God using a widow here, it's so interesting because here, here's a woman with need. Here's a woman in a desperate situation. And the Lord is using her as a highlight of the story about how prayer is effective. Now, a second key here, a second part of the first verse. I'm still in this first verse. It gives me two thoughts about prayer. It, Jesus speaks this parable to them. That men should always pray. Someone say always. always. Yeah. And then there's a second part of the verse which a lot of times people read over. you got to always pray. And you can't get depressed. You can't get down, discouraged, or defeated. What you need is a godly perspective. Don't lose heart. And this is something God has been highlighting to me in my life over and over and over again. The, the need to have the proper attitude. And your attitude comes from the perspective, the lens that you're looking out with. So Jesus is telling us, right: pray and don't lose heart. I believe attitude is like a master key that unlocks things. It, well, attitude is, especially if you've got like gratitude as part of your attitude, I'm telling you, it'll unlock doors Because that's how faith works. Faith works when when your attitude is positive, when it's filled with the promises of God. When, When you're believing that what God said will come to pass will come to pass, you have faith. And if you've prayed for something for a long time, it can be easy to get discouraged. How do I know that? That's what the book of Proverbs says. Proverbs chapter 13. It tells us that hope deferred makes the heart sick. The longer you go for something, believing and haven't seen it, man, it can be very discouraging. And I know that because I've been there. But the Bible warns against it. The Bible says that with God, nothing is impossible. Nothing. What makes things impossible is your limited perspective of God. That's what happened to Israel in the wilderness, Psalm 78. They limited the Holy One of Israel because they saw themselves as grasshoppers in their own eyes. Their own perspective about the situation is the very thing that limit it. And I'm telling you, that happens to people when they pray for things. And what I came here to tell you this morning, what the Lord's been putting on my heart, is that your attitude needs to shift. Your attitude needs to grow. Your perspective needs to evolve. And you've got to start seeing things the way that God sees them. Your perspective may, in fact, be off. I mean, think about that attitude you have. Maybe about the season of life you're in. This has to do with God's timing in situations. Why is it that God seems to take longer than you want him to take? Why is it it seems like you get frustrated in certain seasons of life? You ever been there? Yeah. But I'm reminded of what the Bible says in the book of Galatians. Don't grow weary in well-doing, because in due season, what happens? You reap if you don't lose heart. Due season always comes to people who have the right positive perspective, their attitude is aligned. It always comes. It can't not come. It's coming for you if you'll stay faithful, if you'll stay committed. That's a perspective. Yeah. Uh, You know, the thing about your attitude and your perspectives is they can be prone to anger. Anger is fashionable in 2023. Everybody's outraged about something right now. And it's like people don't have coping skills, so they just choose to get angry and yell, right? Yeah. It's easy to get angry. I mean, there's never anything you get angry at. One thing, the easiest thing to get angry at, low-hanging fruit, is like the government. You know that? I mean, I'm reading First Timothy chapter 2, and it tells us that if you want a quiet, peaceful, and God life, you ought to pray for people who are in positions of authority. Pray for them. That's the first thing it says. Pray for people in office. Pray for them. I do that. And I find it interesting. Just a few verses later, 1 Timothy 2.8, it says, Paul said, after praying for the government, I desire men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands... Without wrath or doubting. Yeah, because you know, it's easy. When you got to pray for these clowns that run our country, you can get angry. I mean, it's, it's not fun to get lied to over and over again. Come on, somebody. But you got to pray for them. Hey, by the way, there are no political solutions to the problems we face. Do you know that? Your favorite politician doesn't have the answers. It's a spiritual problem we have. And it's going to take God's people praying and truth for this nation to turn around and have any hope. Yeah. You don't get angry at the government. Hey, you know who else is easy to get angry at? of people. Yeah. Because they disappoint you, don't they? Yeah, and, and, and you kind of, you know, feel like you got ripped off. Well, hey, welcome to the club. You want to know what's even more? You might have been the one that disappointed somebody some time ago. Don't preach me down while I'm, don't shut me down while I'm preaching. <laughs> it's funny how, how we get so angry at people, and, and, and a lot of times those very things could be said about us. You get angry at people, like, like you know, your wife. You know, I felt Yeah, because she's afraid of bears camping. Doesn't want to go on hikes. But I've decided it's all right. Elizabeth can stay and take care of the campfire. And, you know, I'm, I'm I'm not I'm not gonna get angry. You know why I'm not gonna get angry? First Peter chapter 3. The Bible says that if you treat your wife well, your prayers will be answered. If you're angry at your wife, or your husband for that matter, your prayers will get hindered. So when you're angry, when you're frustrated, because you know, something in the way you want it to be, you hinder a prayer life. The yeah. Same thing with your children, anybody else. I mean, it's easy to get angry at people because people do dumb stuff. You know, what's interesting about prayer is in Mark eleven twenty four. 24. Man, it's a great verse. You can say to the mountain, be removed, be cast into the sea, and it will obey you. You can pray for great things. And I love that, you know, whoever says to this mountain, be removed, be cast into the sea, does not doubt his heart, but believes those things he says will come to pass, he'll have whatever they say. I believe that. I believe you can pray for things, confess the word of the Lord. But you know what the 25th verse of Mark 11 says? It says, when you stand praying, if you have unforgiveness in your heart, your prayers will not be answered. So you can plug up the well of answered prayer when you're bitter when you're filled with unforgiveness, and angry. Those are things that will not cause prayer to happen. You know, people get angry at at circumstances in life. I mean, my children get angry because the shoelaces were tied too tightly and they can't get them done. And so they throw a fit and we've got to calm down. We've got to problem solve here, kids. As we tell them. There's no reason to get angry about that. Like, it's amazing how people just have situations that take place and they get angry. And it's like, that doesn't have any... Any solutions? Uh, The opposite attitude of anger is probably the attitude of love. You know that faith works by love? That's Galatians 6 verse 5. If you want to see prayer answered and you have faith in your heart, it means that the love of God will be operating in you. That's a master key in your perspective. You stay in the love of God. The thing about love the first characteristic of it in 1 Corinthians 13, you know what love is? Love is patient. Yeah, patient, you got to be a people. I mean, love is a patient thing. Loving people are patient people. Man, I found that. I found people who have been gracious to me when I didn't deserve it. They're filled with the love of God because they have God in their life. God is a patient God. You know what the Bible says in 2 Peter chapter 3? That his salvation is his patience is long-suffering. He, he's patient with all of us. And what this parable is about is about God's patience. It's an assurance that he's patient and he will act on behalf of people that he knows. Prayer requires patience. It requires it, it, and you waiting on the Lord for answers. And I think the reason why we need our perspectives changed is because a lot of times The way we see God and we read that parable is it's almost like he's the unjust judge. Stopping you from getting things you want. And either you haven't read the text properly or you're using the wrong translation of the scripture or you haven't consulted enough commentaries, but what you find out is that the parable is actually an invitation for you to ask God for things and that God is far more likely than the unjust judge to respond positively. We tend to think of God as if he's up there withholding things. He's angry about things. In reality, he's a loving God, and he's patient with us, and he will surely answer the things you've been praying for. That's where your attitude has to shift. You've got to keep that heart and mind in check, and you cannot lose heart when it comes to praying for things that you need to take place in your life. Don't lose heart. Keep the faith understand that God has got you and see things from his perspective. And I'm telling you, he can turn situations around. Now, number three, a third key right here. Man, I tell you what, I love preaching on this topic. I feel the Holy Spirit. I feel like there's people in the room who have been praying for things for a long, long time and you get frustrated about it. But I feel like the Lord in this next season we're heading into is going to answer prayers you've prayed for for a long time. I know that because that's why I feel in my spirit. I'm telling you, he's doing things like that. Now, third key. The Lord said, look, look at verse 6. Hear what the unjust judge said, and shall God not avenge his own elect who cry out to him night and day, day and night, though he is patient with them. And then he said this, I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. And, and we could say right here, Sometimes have you noticed when God answers prayer, it's a suddenly thing. You can pray and pray and pray. Boom, right there it is. It's suddenly. That's a funny thing about God, man. It happens in sudden moments, and scripture is filled with suddenlies. God will answer prayer suddenly. It's no thing to him. It's just we're sometimes here frustrated, waiting on things. And and here's what this tells me. Here's the third prayer key. It's perseverance. They're praying night and day, and there's patience required. They are persevering. There's a difference between persistence and perseverance. Do you know that? Persistence is when you are uh, applying that same energy and consistency to something. But perseverance is when you apply energy and consistency despite painful circumstances and situations. When you don't feel like doing it, when there's a trial you're going through, and yet you maintain that same energy and consistency, that is perseverance. Day and night, going through something that's not easy. And I think it's great how the Bible highlights the perseverance of some heroes of the Scriptures. I mean, think about Job. At the end of uh, James' epistle, James 5.11, it speaks about the perseverance of Job and the end intended by the Lord. You've been through some things in life. I don't think you've been through what Job went through. And and yet the Lord, it says, God blessed him at the end better than he had at the beginning. I think about Jesus. I mean, he was heard because of his godly prayers, and the Bible says that he, he, he learned obedience from the things he suffered. He was perseverant. He suffered through things, yet he stayed on it. Is, I'm telling you, there's something amazing about perseverance, when it, especially when it comes to prayer. Now, I was listening to a TED Talk program. Ever heard of TED Talk? It, it's a podcast we talk about leadership things. And a, a lady was trying to figure out the common denominator among successful people. And so they were looking at, you know, all, all, is it your IQ? You know, is it your height? Is it your good looks? Like, what, what is it that makes people successful? And they boiled it down to one word, and the word she used was the word grit, which is basically the word perseverance. It's when you continue to do the same thing over and over in spite of difficulty, in spite of obstacles, in spite of the, the battle in your brain that you don't want to, you know, have to deal with. If you can do the same thing consistently over and over and over for an extended period of time, you will be successful. And, and she was saying that that's, that's how people... Now, I think that's probably missing in society in the year 2023. Because it's like, man, you know, people get some kind of pressure on them. They start crying. Like waitresses at Waffle House when people show up and have a big order of waffles, and they can't take the pressure. And I I just like kind of worry society is right now. You need grit and perseverance, especially when it comes to praying for things that you're believing for God to answer in your life. You, You need perseverance for the days that we're living in. Now, let's talk about the benefits of perseverance. Perseverance, as I understand it in the Bible, breeds character. Let me just break that down to you from the book of Romans, chapter 5. It tells us in Romans 5 that trials and tribulations, that's difficult situations, they produce perseverance. And perseverance, the Bible says, Romans 5, 4, produces character. Character comes when you're doing things that are difficult because it's the adversity that makes you better. Adversity makes you stronger. It makes you wiser. And while you don't like going through it, in the middle of it, what God is doing is working something. What he's doing is developing that spirit of faith in you that says God's got this. See, here's what perseverance does. It develops hope. Yeah, I'm still in that same verse, Romans chapter 5. Tribulation produces perseverance, which produces character, and character produces hope. It's the idea that if God did it before, God will do it again. He's done it once. I have hope that he can do it again. I like to look back about what God has done in my life, man. I like to look back about how he brought my kid out of the neonatal intensive care unit. I like to look back and think about how he brought my wife down here from Canada through immigration. I like to think about, you know, the home that he put us in and, and how we got in that place and how he f- helped me fix my car. I mean, he, he's been through so many struggles with people. Yeah, he's helped me. Perseverance creates this sense of dependence that you need God for something. You know, I trust God to fix things, but I'll tell you what I need more than that. I need God to fix things. That's the best place to be at is when you have a need. I need God to come through in situations. And some of the people I know who know God the most are the people who need God the most. You got to need him. That's what perseverance develops is that that sense of dependence. I need help with this situation. I need help with my kids because they're backsliding. I need help with these bills because I'm behind. I need help with wisdom because I don't know what to do. I need help with a knuckle-headed husband. I need God's help. He will show up in these situations. That's what perseverance creates. Now, the, the, the rest of verse 8 is interesting. He, he says, if, this is uh, the last verse in this parable. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes... Is he really going to find faith in the earth? That's always been mysterious to me. Like, I read the verse, and I'm thinking, it just sounds like, you know, everyone's going to be backslidden. This is a great falling away of the faith, and, it, and, and who knows? What the, it's not what he's saying. What, what he's saying here is that perseverance is a prerequisite for life in the last days. The pressure of the end times is real. In fact, Jesus said if the days weren't shortened, no flesh would be saved. But think about the pressure of times we're living in. You got financial pressure in this generation. It's called inflation. That's the reason why bubble gum, which used to cost like 89 cents, now is like $1.79 for hubba bubba. It's because people have inflated the currencies to no end. It's ridiculous. But You know, you think about like social pressures in the world. I mean, you know, they want to change the language. You can't talk about certain things. Everyone wants to cancel things. And then if you say something is sin when it's not sin, people get all upset about it. It's a social pressure. It's pressure. It's the stress of the end times. Or, man, relational pressure. I mean, Jesus said that everyone was going to be offended in the last days. How many people do I know who are fighting with each other all the time? And I see it in families. I see it in friendship. I mean, it's a sad state of affairs because of the pressure that exists in people. Offenses are bounding. And what this parable emphasizes is God's patience. It emphasizes the assurance he's going to act on my behalf, and it emphasizes the fact that you got to be ready and prepared for Jesus' return, that <coughs> he's coming back again. And the widow's perseverance reflects her faith, that her request would one day be granted. And Jesus is saying, you got to have faith while you're waiting on him. Stay in that place of perseverance Persistence. That's how you got to live in the last days. That's how you got to approach praying. By the way, uh, perseverance is how you have to keep a campfire going. I mean, those things go out, and you got to turn it over the time and sit there. The problem with campfires is all that smoke gets in your nose, and you come back from a camping trip with a sniffle and a cough. <laughs> <coughs> mm. What are you praying for, man? What are you? Asking God for Maybe it's a financial problem I don't know what to do Need some money Maybe it's uh, about your future What's the next steps you gotta take What decisions Maybe it's um, Your family Backslidden kids People offended each other A husband who's not saved As I read the Bible here As I read Jesus' story He's telling us, you should always pray and not give up. Always pray and not give up. I can't, man, I'm telling you, I I love reading this. It encourages me so much. I think about this parable. Maybe the problem you're facing is you're not being persistent enough. You, You don't have enough energy and consistency in the things that you want. I was thinking about my mom praying for me. My mother prayed and prayed and prayed. She'd get her fingers in my face. She'd say, it's not an option for my son to go to hell. And she'd pray months and months and months, months and months and months. And there was energy. There was consistency every day, every day. day. I've seen it happen. I've seen how God can take a hard heart and shift it around. And all it takes is is just that focus, that energy. The problem is sometimes we just get so distracted with other things. You're not persistent enough in approaching the Lord about some of the problems you have. And then you end up settling. My wife complimented me the other day. She said, "I'm, I'm very persistent. She said, I, I get the things I want for That's why I didn't settle and I married a man like you. I was like, that's right. I like that. <laughs> uh, maybe the problem you have is your perspective. You limit God. You, 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 you maybe get frustrated with him, and you're not seeing that he's able to answer and exceed your expectations. You don't see him as the loving, amazing, gracious father. And you think, well, this is just the way it is. Well, I'm just telling you, if you have a limited perspective about God, you'll get limited answers on things. And I've had the Lord rebuke me about that. You know, I went camping two years ago, and I remember I was kind of in a "Mm," mood. "Mm." And that night I had a dream. That's the way God speaks to me about it. I dreamed a very personal thing. The Lord rebuked me in the dream because my attitude about church was that it's just insignificant. It's small, insignificant, doesn't matter. And that's not the way he saw it. And he made it very clear to me. It needed something in my own perspective to shift and change. That's what it's going to take for you to get some answers in prayer. Persistence, a change in your thinking, and it's going to require some perseverance, man. The Bible says it rains on the just and on the unjust. Problems in life come. Difficulties happen. You get flat tires. You get stuck on 24th Street at Christmas because there's nowhere else to go down. I mean, it's like... You're always going to have a little bit of problems, but you got to fight the good fight of faith, which is in your mind. That is where the battle is won, in the mind. And so I want to pray that over you. I want to pray these three things. But what I also want to pray, and I've just been on the kick like this lately, I want to pray for anyone for specific things, husbands, wisdom, jobs, things you've been praying for. I'm talking about, you might have been praying on something 20 years, 30 years. I know people like that. I will pray with you. We will pray together. We won't stop praying. There's a story in the Bible about a, a, a king, and, and he was, you know, facing a battle. And you remember that story, I think it's 2 Kings 13, and, and he shot Elisha, Elisha the prophet told him. Shoot the arrow out the window. Remember, he did that. And then he went out there to where it was, and he struck the ground, and he only struck the ground three times. And Elisha rebuked him and said, you should have struck the ground five or six times. And th- that, that whole story in there is about the power of persistence and perseverance that's how you got to handle things in prayer. Go after it, go after it, go after it, go after it. I-, I have had answers to prayer. I know what I'm talking about. I've seen the Lord do things. I, I-, I-, I want to be a very skilled person in prayer. I like the idea of knowing that it's not in my own strength to get things that I need to get done. God can do them. He, w- If I just stay on it, He will do the job. Are you with me? Now, how many of you want to have a change in your perspective? I know I can use them. Yeah, I see hands. So I want to pray that over you. Father, I just thank you for a spirit of persistence. I, I pray the right energy. Ooh, I pray the Holy Spirit stir up our hearts and minds. They're using some of you don't have enough perspective, pers- persistence. I feel this in my spirit. You're not praying in the spirit enough. You're not keeping your own relationship with God going strong. And so it's not enough spiritual energy in there. You don't have enough of the word in your heart. So if you get that built up, and I'm telling you, it's easy to pray. Focus with energy, spiritual energy applying to the situation. I pray, Lord, for shifts in people's hearts and minds about who you are, you're a loving God, a good, just judge, not an unjust judge, merciful, gracious. mm, mm. And I thank you for, mm, I thank you for people who are overcoming trials. Mm. I pray supernatural grace, shouts of grace to the mountain you're facing, mountains in your way that you think can't be taken. I pray, Lord, oh, I pray the supernatural strength of the Lord perseverance and grit that says I'm not backing down. And just like what happened to Caleb in the Bible when he got that hill. Give me this mountain. That's what he said. After 45 years. I pray that in the name of Jesus over the people. i got to tell you, I was at a great time. Amen, amen, amen. I'll pray for you in a little bit. i got to tell you, I was at a great time camping. I was out with my uh, my cousins from Wyoming. I remember being about 13 years old, 12 years old. And we had to go down to my Uncle Tom's swearing in. He's a Natrona County judge. And, you know, like it was kind of a big deal. My dad, who's a lawyer, he was like, it's a big deal. We all dressed up. We wore our finest clothes. We went down to the courthouse there. Uncle Tom was sworn in as a judge. He he just retired a few years ago. And, you know, it kind of got me thinking about like this parable. Jesus is speaking here of an unjust judge. And maybe it's something people could relate to. You know, the Romans were in charge of Judea at that time. and. Perhaps there were some unjust judges that the Roman magistrates had appointed. It could be. But the Bible depicts God as a judge. In fact, it, it tells us that he's the judge of all. And it describes him as a just judge who one day will judge the world in righteousness. And when that happens, you have to stand before him and give an account of everything that you have done. And when that day comes, the question is how are you going to plead? I, for one, don't have to plead guilty. I would just plead the blood of Jesus. His blood has made it so that my guilt has been removed. That's all it takes. So I want to ask you that question. One day you're going to have to give an account before a just judge who can see right through you. He's got eyes of fire. He knows exactly what's been going on in hearts and minds. And you have to say, this life that I've lived, this is what I've done. And he knows everything. And if you don't have Jesus' blood, they're with you. If he's not your advocate, you're a lawyer, you are going to be sentenced to prison. That's a scary thought. So I want to pray. If, if you don't know the Lord, every head, better every eye, closed. If you've never asked him in your heart, if you don't have him as your advocate and your judge, if you can't plead the blood of Jesus, I want to have you put a hand up. And I want to pray with you. You can be young, you can be old. Uh-huh. All right, I see those hands. I see the hand. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm grateful for? I'm grateful for a just, forgiving judge. So pray this with me. Say, Father, Forgive me of my sin. I thank you for Jesus' blood and the cleansing and righteousness that comes with that. And I just thank you for setting me free. I want to live with you and know you and have you in my heart. In Jesus' name, I pray that. Amen, amen, amen. If you prayed that, I will pray with you. Yeah, let's all stand up this morning. Now, I have something stern in my spirit. My favorite thing about pastoring, you know what it is? It's getting in the foyer and loving on people. And I have people in the summer, they, they come in. I haven't seen them in a while. I want to go out and say hello. <laughs> but I have a burden to pray for you, all right? So I don't know what you're praying for. I don't know if it's kids. I don't know if it's finances. I don't know if it's husband direction. If it's been 20 years, 30 years, 40 years, I want to pray with you. And I, I, I so I just ask that. If you, if you want prayer for something, I'm sticking with you this morning. We will pray and just come into agreement that God... We'll do those things. We'll strike the Lord. We're knocking on this door. We're not going to stop. We're going to get the answers to the things that we need. Amen? Amen. So I love you very much. We'll catch you here this Wednesday. If you want to get baptized next week, it'd be a great time to hold you under the water until the bubbles come up. Hope you sign up out there in the foyer. We'd love to have that. I'll catch you all later. I love you very much. If you want prayer for something, I want to pray with you about anything you're going through. Amen.